This is the First Emmanuel Lutheran Church Podcast. For more information about us, who we are, or how to get connected, check us out online at filministries.org. Great to have you here. Who does not have a uh, little handout? Okay, we got some more being made. Don, uh, Lorna, you took about 15. What are you doing? Are you selling these? My goodness. I was going to say, these are like black market or something. Goodness. All right. Yeah, we got some more being printed. Uh, Don't be bashful. Uh, We are going to open with a prayer. And then you, or most of you here, took a little survey on prayer. I'm going to tell you how that came out. All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, all thanks and praise be to you. You who are the giver of every good and perfect gift. Thank you for the gift of your word. Your word, which shows us that even though we are sinners, you are salvation. And uh, we thank you for your word that shows us that your will is always for our best interest. Help us to continue uh, to pray for your will, uh, that we would have these wonderful, thankful hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. There we go. 57 respondents. So this is morning and evening class. How often do you pray? 48% said several times each day. Um, Six said once each day, and two said weekly, and nobody said occasionally. So are your prayers from a book, a devotional, or online? Uh, One said yeah. (laughs) The other option was my prayers are from the heart. And 21 said, yes. And 35 said, both from a devotional and from the heart. Okay. What type of prayer do you think you most often pray? I probably should have said pick one. Because many of you checked all four of them. (laughs) 37 said intercession, which is praying persistently for others. 30 said gratitude, which is giving thanks for all you have. 21 said, confession, pouring your heart out for God's forgiveness, and 17, praise. So kind of interesting. Is there a special place that you like to pray? And 43% of you said, no, I have no special place. 12 said, yes, and some said, I most often pray, and we had things like my wingback chair. I like that one. And another one was the dining room table. Uh, Someone said family room, one had dining room, and a couple of you said bed. I liked that one too. That was a good one. That was nice. So in the past year, we were asking if you were praying more than usual, less, or the same. Well, two of you said less than normal, 26 said more than usual, and 29 said about the same. I did a scale of 1 to 10 and asked, uh, with one being low and 10 being high, how satisfied are you with your prayer life? Okay, nobody said one. Two of you said two. Four said, I'm at a three. Seven said, I'm at a four. 14 said, I'm at a five, right there in the middle. Seven of you said, I'm at a six. Ten of you said, I'm at a seven. 
Seven of you said, I'm at an eight. Two of you said, I'm at a nine. And three said, a 10. I would, I would um, thank you, my dear. Okay. Uh, I, would, I would say, um, pretty normal for people who go to Bible class, you know, that you would say you pray a lot. I would get that, right? Um, that you have a higher uh, appreciation or, or you have a higher satisfaction with your prayer life than the average person. That you do a lot of different kind of praying. So, I don't know, anything, any comments on that? That was, it was very interesting for me. It was very good for me. All right, who needs one of these little handouts? These are nice and warm, so we're going to charge you oh, extra. Right. You can put that right there on your hands. It's, look, at, look at that. Okay. Lorna, this is the seventh <laughs> one I've given you today. <laughs> Anyone else? All right, if you need one, Lorna's hoarding, so just feel, feel free to give it. Well, now you've got a partner over here because I've, I've given about 17 over at that table, too. Good. All right. But who's counting? Who's counting? Right. Oof. Uh, okay, it's okay if you did. Did anybody look ahead? See what we were doing today? Oh. Claire did. Claire, you get extra credit for today. Yeah, and it's okay if you did, it's okay if you didn't. I was just wondering. I, as I, I looked through, I thought, well, this is a little bit different. Uh, there's a video, obviously, that goes with this. And the gentleman's going to talk uh, a little bit about some of his experience in Honduras with a particular orphanage. And he's going to tie that into gratitude. On your mark, get set, go. My name is Don Everts, and I'm the host of Nurturing Your Faith. And on behalf of the entire team here at Lutheran Hour Ministries, I invite you to open your Bible with us to see how God can use his powerful word to grow our faith as Christians. In this installment of Nurturing Your Faith, we're considering what God's word has to reveal to us about prayers of gratitude. Now, what exactly are prayers of gratitude? Well, we are praying a prayer of gratitude any time we spend a moment thanking God for something. Maybe we are thanking God for who he is, or maybe we thank God for his presence in our life, or for something that he's done in our life. We may even just thank God for the gift of life itself, for the people he's put into our life, or even maybe thanking God for the weather. Regardless, thanking God is an act of gratitude to God, and it's meant to be an ordinary part of our life of prayer. As Paul encouraged us in Colossians, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. But do prayers of gratitude nurture our own faith as Christians? Well, consider the story of two of my friends, Itzhak and Olga. I first met Itzhak and Olga when I traveled with a group from my church here in St. Louis down to the group home that Itzhak and Olga run in Honduras, in the capital city of Tegucigalpa. Technically, Itzhak and Olga are running an orphanage. There are 30 children and youth of a variety of ages. 
But Itzhak and Olga have created a place of such safety, filled with so much love, that home is the only adequate word to describe it. I've now been down to Honduras to spend time in this home and partner with Itzhak and Olga several times. And so I've come to see in detail how Itzhak and Olga guide and nurture these children who come from such tragic circumstances. I've come to see in detail how they're able to use such meager resources in such a poor neighborhood to care for these children. I've come to know Itzhak and Olga personally and learn their stories, to learn how they both left comfortable careers as educators to start and run this love-filled group home because they felt God calling them into the ministry. But when I first went down to Tegucigalpa, I didn't know any of this. I remember walking in the front door for the very first time and being struck by the contrast between the great poverty outside this home and the richness of hospitality and welcome inside the home. The children welcomed me and the rest of our team. They wanted to get to know us. Itzhak and Olga were so genuine, so caring, and so even filled with humor. I began to become curious about this home and these two Christians who ran this home. Where did all of this love come from? How was it possible for Itzhak and Olga to possess such patience, such affection, and even such joy in the midst of such difficult and tragic circumstances. And there were difficult circumstances. The tragic lives of these children, the meager resources that they had, the poverty of the neighborhood that they were in. And yet Itzhak and Olga possessed such calm in circumstances that I was sure would have crushed me. Well, our third night into our trip down there, I got an insight into some answers to these questions. You see, the third night was a special night. We arranged a bunch of chairs in a huge circle in this kind of multi-purpose patio. It was a space they used as a classroom, as a soccer field, as a place to hang out. You see, we had brought gifts for each child from their sponsor families at our church up in St. Louis. And each child went around and got to open all their gifts. It took about an hour and it was a joyous event, as you can imagine. I was serving as translator during this evening, and after everyone had opened their gifts, Itzhak stood up to lead us all in a time of prayer. And as translator, I was translating his prayer into English for the folks from the church in St. Louis. Now there's something about translating from one language into another that forces you to pay more careful attention to someone's words than you ordinarily might. And as I weighed each word and phrase that Itzhak was saying, I gained an insight into what was at the core of his and Olga's faith, robust gratitude. You see, Itzhak had thanked us for the gifts, and I had translated that word of thanks to the rest of the team. But during his prayer, Itzhak prayed an expansive and beautiful prayer of gratitude. He thanked God for the lives of each of the children. He thanked God for giving them the resources to build this home. He thanked God for moving in our hearts to fill us with affection so that we would come down there. He thanked God for so many things that night. 
And as I weighed each phrase and sentence of gratitude to figure out how to adequately express it in English, I felt like I was able to hold in my own hands the secret to their Christian faith and their calm in such difficult circumstances. They were filled with gratitude. And I came to realize over time that praying prayers of gratitude was a regular habit for Itzhak and Olga. It was a regular part of their life of faith. I remember a few years later when a political and military crisis was gripping the country of Honduras and the capital city of Tegucigalpa was being shut down. I emailed Itzhak to find out, how are you doing? I know the roads are closed. Are you able to get supplies? And the email I got back from Itzhak, I will never forget. The email was absolutely colored by gratitude. He wrote in there that, no, they weren't able to get to the store, but they were so grateful to God that they happened to get their shipment of water right before the roads had shut down. Gratitude was a huge part of their life. Gratitude gave them calm in the midst of trying circumstances. Do prayers of gratitude nurture our faith as Christians? They have with Itzhak and Olga. As they have been praying prayers of gratitude, God has been doing something inside of them. I've experienced the same thing for myself. I'll never forget what happened a couple years ago when I got out of town for a few days in a really trying time of life. You see, I was in an intensely stressful period of life. I was stressed out, I was thinned out, I was starting to get grumpy with the people around me. And so when a friend offered me a few days at his lakeside condo, I jumped at the opportunity to get out of town and try to recuperate a little bit. The only problem was, no matter how much time I spent on the patio gazing out at the calm lake and the beautiful surroundings, that stress was still inside of me. I slept in in the mornings, I took long naps, but every time I woke up, there was that stress right inside of me still. I got so desperate, I decided to take a page out of Itzhak and Olga's playbook. I decided to pray some prayers of gratitude. I started by looking back in time. I had brought some old journals, and so I read through these journals and I started to just give God thanks for all the ways he had cared for me in these different seasons of my life. And then I focused on my current life, focusing on all the gifts that I did have to be thankful for. I thank God for my wife, for my health, for my three kids, for all these different things. I made list after list. I just gave myself over to gratitude. And you know what? It changed what was happening inside of my heart. This gratitude began to displace the stress that was inside of me. As I was praying prayers of gratitude, God was doing something inside of me. Do prayers of gratitude nurture our faith as Christians? It has for Itzhak and Olga, and it has for me too. How about you? Do you have personal experience praying prayers of gratitude? Have you explored what God's word has to reveal to us about the power of giving thanks to our God? Well, that's exactly what this installment of Nurturing Your Faith is all about. I invite you to enter into this fascinating study with us. 
On behalf of the whole team at Lutheran Hour Ministries, I pray that God may teach you more about prayers of gratitude. May he bring to mind for each one of us some of the many gifts that we have to be grateful for. And as always, I pray, as Paul put it in 2 Thessalonians, may your faith grow abundantly. Okay. Let's do what we normally do. What thoughts, comments, questions? I have a question from last week. Oh, that's great. Question from last week. In the uh, page four of the handout, Extrapolating the context, whose message, their message, well, where did they get the message? From God, the Lord yep. Jesus. Yep. I found it puzzling that it says there. Yeah. Why would it not say my, his? Right. So the question is this. In John 17, the high priestly prayer, Jesus starts the prayer by saying, hey, you know, Heavenly Father, we're going to have this glory through the cross. Then the second section, he talks about the 12 disciples and the others who followed Jesus, right? And what he's saying is, don't take those out of the world. They're going to be in the world. Just keep them from the evil one because they've got work to do. And then John's question is this. Uh, then the next section is when Jesus prays for us, right? And he says the people who are going to believe. They haven't believed yet. Some of them aren't even born yet. And he says, I do not ask for these, only these disciples that have been following me, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. The question is, why wouldn't Jesus have said my word or my message? I think the reason is this. Because he's emphasizing that they are the ones who are going to be hanging around yet, and they are the ones who are going to have to be doing the preaching and the teaching, so uh, what Jesus is emphasizing is it's still my word, but they are now the messengers. So it's not that it's a different message, it's just a different messenger. So it's still the same message of life and salvation through a cross and an open tomb, but the emphasis here is if we don't have these folks who have been following me continue the ministry, it, it, it'll be impossible for those who are yet to come to hear the message. And, and I guess it maybe this way it works, John. The Christian church is one generation away from extinction. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's it. The Christian church is one generation away from extinction. Say it, Joy. Scary. That's scary, mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is why it's so important. This is why we have genealogies in the Bible. It isn't just to put you to sleep. Right? The genealogies are there for a number of reasons, to show the lineage of Jesus, but also to say how important it is for me to pass this on. Paul says to Timothy, right? Hey, you're in the faith. Oh, it's a faith that your grandma gave you and your mother gave you, and now I know you have it. This whole, this whole generation to generation, and we hear it in the Psalms, how important, the, the most important thing you and I could ever do on this earth, if it's the only thing we ever got done was to share the good news of Jesus with our children, then we got what really needs to be done, done. 
Yeah. So I really think this is what is going on here is that this generation that's with me right now that I've been teaching, they're the next generation to be the teachers. And that generation needs to be the messenger. And that generation needs to be the messenger. So when we say to our, our kids, you know, hey, listen to me, I'm going to read a Bible story. Listen to me, but you know who they're really listening to is Jesus. Yeah, listen to Jesus through me. Yeah, great question. Excellent question. Thank you. Yeah, because it's like, not from my word to their word, yeah, it's still my word, but they're going to be the messengers. Yeah, great question. What else? That emphasizes the importance of our school. Emphasize the importance of school. Yeah, school is designed to be an assistant to the home, right? Yeah, so when Luther wrote the small catechism, he, he put in the beginning, let the head of the house teach this. Notice he said head of the house. Interesting. It's the 1500s. Normally you would think you would hear what? Man. Let the man. Because Luther knew sometimes there wasn't a man in the house. But there's always a head of the house. The man's supposed to be the spiritual head. If he's not there, mom takes over. Right? Yeah. Yes, sir. From last week, since God knows everything. Oh, why do I have to take the time to pray? Exactly. If God knows everything, and not only that, he's going to do it his way anyway. That's right. For crying out loud. And I've got other things I could be doing <laughs> instead of praying because God's going to get it done and he's going to get it done in his way. And, and, you know, again, I think prayer isn't for God's. Sometimes, sometimes we pray as if God doesn't know what's going on. Have you ever noticed that? Um, so so we, sometimes we pray, like, hey, God, in case you didn't know, you know, I got this. Uh, this is an eighth grade prayer. Hey, God, in case you didn't know, I, I'm a busy guy and I got a test uh, in about 20 minutes. I didn't have a chance to study. You need to intervene. Right. And God's up there going, oh, no, I know you didn't study. You know how I'm going to intervene? I'm not letting you flunk this one. Um, you know, I, I got to tell you, there, uh, Tony Campolo, I don't know if you've ever heard of Tony Campolo. Um, yeah, he's just an entertaining speaker. He's an ordained pastor, but um, I think he's retired now. He taught uh, psychology, sociology at Northeastern University. And he tells the story of, of preaching at a church. And he said, I preached at a church where uh, they, they always invoke the Holy Spirit. So before the service, the elders got around me and the head elder prayed. And he prayed for me and the Holy Spirit would be, be with me. And then he said, Lord, I'm praying with with Jim Smith. I'm praying for Jim. You know, you know where Jim is. You know, Jim lives in that green house down on First Avenue, the one with the big oak tree. And, and Jim uh, has walked out on his family. He's threatening to leave. His wife called me today and said we should pray for Jim because he's threatening to leave. And you know, Lord, they've got four kids. And that wife, that Joan is so good. But Jim, just intervene, Lord. Just send your angels and intervene. And, and Tony says, I'm wondering, I'm pretty sure God knows Jim, knows his address, and what's going on. But this guy gave God every kind of indication of where Jim was. Tony says, I chuckled because I thought, you know, the Lord must have a lot of patience until I was leaving that town that day. And I thought, hey, look at here, I'm on First Avenue. And he said, I saw a man walking. 
and there was a greenhouse. And he said, I pulled over and said, you need a lift? And the guy said, I do. And he got in and he said, my name's Tony, what's yours? My name's Jim. Jim Smith? Yes. How dare you leave Joan and those four kids alone? <laughs> he said, who told you? He said, you don't need to know who told me. I was sent by God to drive you back home. And he said, I went in and I sat with them and, and we worked together in their home. So yeah, here's the deal. Prayers for my benefit, right? And, and the, the, the benefit of prayer is this, that my desire is to do the Lord's will, to carry it out. And I'm going to be real honest with you. I don't know about your life, but in my life, it's hard for me to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do it your way. Because I know I have a much better way of doing it. Prayer life for me often seems to be, Lord, just give me the insight to do it your way. Give me the patience to do it your way. Give me the strength to do it your way. Give me the humility to do it your way. Because if I, if I don't, then, I'm, then I've got a problem. But sometimes we approach prayers if God's got the problem. Yeah. And I think I mentioned it last week. Isn't it interesting when we pray, thy will be done? What's the next line for that? On earth as it is in heaven. Has anybody ever worried about anything that's going on in heaven? Have you ever worried about that? I have not worried about heaven. I think God's got it under control. Why do I have such a problem with God's controlling on earth as it is in heaven? I really think that's part of what that phrase means. It's like, I've never said, hey God, you know, keep an eye on the archangels. They just seem to be lording it over the seraphim and the cherubim and you know, maybe they need to be put in their place and maybe they need to be in a better position. And, but, I, but I often do say, hey, Lord, I think maybe I need this or my friend needs that or my enemy needs that. So I think, I think it's just more or less me saying, help me get a hold of your will, God. Help me walk in your will. Especially when it comes to that loving your enemies thing. Boy, do I need help on that one, right? We all do. Yeah. Love your enemy. Oh, I just love to give one to my enemy. No. So praying is a whole lot about um, me connecting with God rather than God connecting to me. Yeah. Jeannie. Yeah, here we go. Hey, uh, Jesus, where's your gratitude prayer? Yeah, or where's your intercessory? Where's your intercessory prayer? You know, I think the, the, the interesting part of the Lord's Prayer is the pronouns that are used. So the pronoun us and our is inclusive. So that my intercessory is on behalf of me and you and even my enemies. Give us this day our daily bread. Make sure that my family is supported. Make sure my friends who are here are all supported and even those people that don't see eye to eye with me, let them have some sustenance. Lord, we got to make sure they live long enough to hear your word. Yeah. And then uh, our Father who art in heaven, we may take a look at that as a, a prayer of praise, 
So the idea is, I'm, I'm going to this God of the universe, this God who's created all things, and uh, how about this? How many of you think you could pick up the phone right now, call the White House, and get Joe on the line? I, we couldn't even get Joe's secretary, right? And we shouldn't. But you get the guy who created the universe. You get him on the line right away. Isn't it something? So I think there's an there's a inferred praise there. Maybe I'll go as far to say. Yeah, yeah. Good. Oh, these are nice questions. We could do this all afternoon. Let, let's. Thank you, Nancy. Let. What else do we have? Anything? Oh, man, we're going to actually open up this. Wow. Okay. Um, Bobby, what page we got? Six? Is it six? Five. Some of you got five? Well, let's look at the one that says gratitude, no matter what number's on the bottom of your page. Oh, Psalm 54. Let's read this. And let's, let's read it half verse by half verse. So I'll read the very first part, and you get to read the indentation. Is that okay? All right. O oh God, save me by your name. And vindicate me by your O oh God, hear my prayer. For strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. With a free will offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. All right, King David writes a lot of psalms, does he not? Uh, so King David is a pretty powerful guy. He's uh, the head of a nation at the time, which would have been, if not the most powerful nation on the face of the earth, at least ranking among them. How would it have been easy for David to forget about giving thanks to God? Didn't King David very often, when he did, we think he's such a bad guy, <laughs> I, but he always went to the Lord. Yeah. With what he knew that he sinned. Yep. And he asked God to forgive him. Right. So if we looked at David, there's a lot of warts on this guy, right? In battle, he's, he's slaughtering more people than he should. Uh, he's got um, a family, and yet there's this Bathsheba thing, and then he has Bathsheba's um, husband murdered. But the, the thing is, he keeps going back to the Lord yep. over and over and over again. I see him as one who could very easily forget God. When you have everything that you need at your fingertips, it's very easy to forget God. If you look at your problems and my problems in this world that we live in, we have first world problems, right? Steve, we have first world problems, don't we? You went through first world problems the last couple of weeks. Furnace? Furnace, 
water heater, garage door. Garage door. <laughs> COVID. COVID. Yeah. So we have first world problems, don't we? Oh, my computer's running slow. Right? Oh, my goodness. That, uh, my favorite TV uh, program was interrupted by the college championship. Whatever. We have all these first world problems. They're out of grapes at Piggly Wiggly. We have all these problems. And I think, I, I think that the, the more you have the harder it is to say thank you. And the irony of this is, the more you have, the more you have to be thankful for. So just, I, I want you to just pause on this. You're gonna hear it Sunday again probably. Close your eyes, think about it. If God gave you today only what you thanked him for yesterday, what would you be missing? Probably the breath I just took right? <laughs> or the glass of water that I had before I came here, or my family. Wow. So being in India, when I was in India, I took a walk through the, the slums. The slums of India are kind of interesting. It's all mud. So I, <laughs> I came home with one pair of shoes, socks and pants, short. I left them in the garbage. Uh, and there's just homes that are built out of cardboard or some throwing out steel, a couple of cinder blocks here and there. And uh, there was a little girl that came running and she grabbed my hand and it was a girl that I had met in the orphanage and she wanted me to come to her house. And the house is probably this size. There's probably 10 people that lived in it, but they're only there at night and they all curl up together. There was, there was three things in the house. There was a bowl for rice, a bowl for milk, and a picture of Jesus. Now, when that government truck comes up with warm milk, they're thankful. I had never seen a kid so happy to get a Tootsie Roll in my life. So when you don't have a lot, it's easy to give thanks when you get something. My father gave his godson uh, at, uh, at Easter a little card, and this is probably 30 years ago, with a, a $10 bill in it. And the child said, thanks a lot. My dad gave me a hundred. My father took the $10 back and said, I'll find someone who can appreciate it. So I think the more we have, sometimes the more difficult it is to say thanks. This is where David was, I believe, in those moments when he was his weakest. As he forgot what he had and looked to things that he didn't have. And he shouldn't have had. Does, does that work? Does that, I mean, can you see that? There's that old song, count your blessings, count them one by one, right? Did you sing that one in your church when you were young, right? That's it, my grandma and grandpa's church, that was always a biggie. Yeah, and Beat Lord would sing off key all the time and it was always difficult. But she sang it with gusto because she meant it. How often do we thank for what we have? Man, all right, let's go back to our, I'm starting to preach. It's not a good thing. Okay, right in the middle of seven, have you ever thought of this? There's only five times where the gospel show Jesus giving thanks. Does that knock you off your chair a little bit? 
at the Lord's Supper, he took bread, broke it, gave it to them. What? He gave thanks. Um, remember when he said, hey, these people are getting hungry. You need to give them something to eat. And they said, well, we don't have anything except this kid's got a little sack lunch. And Jesus said, well, go pass it around. But before he passed it around, what did he do? He looked up to the heavens and he gave thanks. He blessed it and gave thanks. Right. Um, another time, oh, Lazarus. When he's going to raise Lazarus. And he prays. I thank you, Lord. Uh, when he was uh, talking about giving the giving of faith. Lord, I thank you that you have kept this from the wise and the learned, and you've given it to little children, this gift of faith. That, that's us, by the way, these little children. Does that mean Jesus wasn't thankful? Actually, I think it shows that he's the one to whom we give thanks. What's the most popular section of Scripture that talks about giving thanks? You hear it almost every Thanksgiving. I've preached 40 Thanksgivings. <sighs> the, the lepers, exactly. There were how many that were healed? Ten. They were healed as they went on their way, and one decided to come back and say thanks. And on top of that, what was different about that guy? He was a Samaritan who gave thanks. Yeah, what's the message Jesus is trying to get across? I think it's this. I love to do things for you people. I love to bless you. And I really love when you come back and say thanks. How many of you had to teach your children to say, give me? <laughs> Did anybody here have to teach their children to say, I want? Or buy me? How many of you had to remind your children to say thank you? Yeah, so they get something from grandma and grandpa, and you say, what do you say to grandpa? More? No, 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 no. You say, thank you. Thank you. We have, to, we have to be taught. Why is it we have to be taught to say thank you? Why is it? Why does it not come so natural? Because you're self-centered. Because I'm self-centered. Exactly. Because it's about me. Well, of course you're going to give me a gift, because it's me. Why wouldn't you give me a gift? As a matter of fact, it should have been a bigger gift, a better gift, more gifts. Yeah, it's about me. Watch two children with one cookie. What happens? We got to fight. Or watch it go in. I have a good view of the cry room, and it's fun watching the children fight over one toy. So I can do two things at once. I can preach the gospel of Jesus and be entertained by other people's rowdy children. Yeah, yeah, because it's about me. And gratitude is always about someone else. Asking, I'm the subject, the other person is the object. Thanking, the other person is the subject and the object. Luke 22. When the hour came, Jesus reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. 
And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. Okay. Jesus knows it's not going to be long. And yet he takes time to say thanks. If you knew you had just hours to live, what would be on your mind? Heaven. Heaven. What else? Goodbye. Saying goodbye, making sure we had closure with family and friends. What else? Making sure things are in order for your family so it's easier for them. I want to make sure it's going to be easy for my family. I should clean the basement and the garage. <laughs> Got a couple hours left. Gonna, but I agree with you. Just I want to make sure everything's in order. Yeah. What else? Anything else? If you're praying to God, what would your prayer be? What's that? Take me now. Take me now. I'm ready. I had that one this morning. <laughs> yeah, this would be a good day for you to come back, Jesus. Did you have your, oh, okay, I thought you had a hand up. Somebody have a hand up? Jeff. Keep my family close to you. Comfort them. Um, yes. Thank you, Lord, for the time I did have. I pray that it made an impact for you, right? Thanks for opening the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. J.P. Morgan at the time, I think, was one of the richest men in the world when he died. His uh, will was read and it was printed in a lot of the papers in the country. Um, and he thanks the Lord Jesus for his faith. He's a very strong Christian man. Um, so I, I, this is Jesus, and his, his thing is he's thanking God for this bread and wine, but he's also thanking God, in essence, for his sacrifice on the cross. He's thanking God for a plan that included executing him. And, but he's thanking God for this gift that's left for the generations to come, that they would participate and be able to be strengthened in faith and connected to forgiveness. Thanks is always driven outward. And this is what it means to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and, and to love others as we love ourselves. It's always driven outward. Um, turn to page 8. Um, I'm going to talk about Paul here a little bit. Uh, Paul is no stranger to giving thanks. He thanked God for Christ's sacrifice, for the faith, love, and care of the saints, life's provision, strength and courage in adversity, the faith-honing effects of his own suffering and hardships, and more. Now, uh, if you go through Paul's letters, it is, isn't there always, like at the end, 
you know, give thanks in all circumstances. He always talks about giving thanks. He leaves them with something that's so important, give thanks. And then it says the author of the Hebrews, we don't know who that is, reminds us too in his chapter on Jesus' preeminence and the faith we possess, that each of us should be thankful for the immovable kingdom we've been given. This is it, Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. How often have you just thanked God for being God? How often have you thanked your spouse for just being you? Thanks for being you. I know more times than not we just say, can I create a new you? I think it's just important to be able just to say, thank you, God, for being God. Jeannie. Yeah. There were different kinds of sacrifices you could sacrifice for Thanksgiving, which I think in essence we might say, you know, the two turtle doves with Jesus was kind of a thank offering for the gift of this son. Um, yeah, so there were sacrifices for forgiving sins and there was cleansing sacrifices. I think I got enough there. So, all right, a little sheet here. I just thought some, some ideas about gratitude, the benefits of gratitude. Gratitude deepens our relationships. Our relationship with God. Anybody got an extra? Oh, super, perfect, thanks. Here we go. Um, how, how, would, how would gratitude strengthen your relationship with God? He provides, it keeps you in mind of your relationship, right? I need that guy. How about others? How does gratitude assist you with others in your relationship? Being, showing thankfulness to others. You appreciate them. I think there's a demonstration of appreciation. Showing empathy and compassion for them. Empathy and compassion, yeah. Love, Love is a big one, yeah. And self, did you know uh, grateful people uh, are healthier people? Did you know that? They're happier people. Yep. They're more contented. It strengthens the health. Studies have shown grateful people have stronger body, mind, and soul. I don't know how that works with body, but I would imagine... If your mind is healthy and your soul is healthy, it has a great impact on your body. Right? I'm not saying that if you write out seven thank you cards today that your disease will go away. But, but being thankful and grateful helps you to cope with what's going on in life. Uh, gratitude cultivates a desire for God's will. If you say thank you to God for the things you have, you realize you're dependent on Him, and obviously then His will would be so important in your life. It gives you a better witness in life. Um, the Simpsons. 
How many of you had kids that watched The Simpsons growing up, right? They want to watch The Simpsons, and oh, that's all kind of fun. Um, there, there was a Thanksgiving episode of The Simpsons, and they're all gathered at the table, and they're ready to eat, and Marge in her scratchy voice says, shouldn't we give a prayer of thanks? And Bart says, I got this one. Hey, God, thanks for nothing. We worked for this grub. And that was his prayer which really turned out to be a good learning opportunity for um, some of my children's uh, messages in chapel. <laughs> is because is that, is that our attitude? Did we, really, did we work for it? Of course we did. Who gave you your gifts and abilities and talents? The Lord did, right? So without that, we obviously wouldn't be able to uh, uh, have a decent life. So I, I think it gives a, it gives a witness. I, I, we always, before we opened Christmas gifts, um, we had to sit and read Luke chapter 2. And we would talk about the great Christmas gift, and we'd talk about the Magi, and, and I could, you know, they would gaze under the tree. Because we didn't open gifts till, sun, uh, till Christmas afternoon, because I had this gig to do. So, <laughs> so they, they were, and then I'd have to come home and have coffee, you know, a little Kringle, and, and they'd get a little nervous about that. But that's what we did. Uh, my kids from uh, Vegas uh, came in, and I, I came home uh, from uh, worship on Christmas Day, and, uh, and I heard, Grandpa, hurry up, get your coffee. We need to read the Bible. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I looked at Elizabeth, and I said, oh, they know the rules here. And she said, well, she said, that's the rule in our house, too. So it's kind of it's nice, get your coffee. <laughs> you know, I think to be grateful, I think, involves um, some intentionality. You know, it did when we were young, when mom and dad said, you know, what do you say? Say thank you. Or maybe when we got a little older and we scratched out a thank you note, you know, our confirmation gifts, and we put a stamp on the envelope and we sent it out. Um, it, it has to be intentional. I just jotted a few ways down. Um, I have a gratitude journal that I write, and, and it's, it's kind of neat because it'll say, today, write the names of three people for whom you are thankful, and write down why, and pray for them. And then it was, a, maybe another one was, um, write down one very difficult event that you experienced in the last year, and write why you're thankful that something good came out of it. Uh, prayer is a really good way, right? In your prayers, remember to thank the Lord. And sometimes it's just a general thank you. Thank God for being God. Sometimes it's specific. I think articulating to other people that you are thankful. Yeah, and someone just said to me, boy, you are really lucky that you have the congregation you have. And I said, I don't think it has anything to do with luck. I'm just thankful that God placed me in a, in a congregation where I think I fit with them. And um, so to me, that's a blessing. I said, I thank God every day for that. Um, conversations with family. I think we have to teach our kids, you know, that you have to have a cup of coffee and read Luke 2 before you open, open your gifts. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Walker, uh, this year, at the beginning of the year, she had a, a canning jar, a fruit jar, you know, and 
Uh, she had a little note on it, it had thankful, and she had little slips of paper, and it's a gratitude jar. And every day you can write down something you're grateful for and then put it in your jar. You don't have to share it with anyone, but it, it just reminds you that I, I should be thankful daily, right? Yeah. The Lord's Prayer is all about praying daily. Give us, how often? Give us this day, our daily bread. Why this day? Because we are taught that we should pray daily. And we should be thankful daily. We should be content daily. All right. We got five minutes. What questions do you have? What comments do you have? Do you want to talk about any way that you try to make sure that you remain thankful? Anybody got anything? Um, I'm not sure about answering that question, but um, it strikes me that in the process of expressing gratitude and taking the time to do that or to write it or to have the jar or whatever it is, that that is a sacrifice mm. of your time. Yep. And oh, good. You're, you're getting away from the worldly things that are calling us, you know, 24-7, and you're giving that time as a sacrifice to God. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Bonnie's comment is it's it, taking the time to say thanks is a, sac uh, a sacrificial act. We're taking time and energy uh, to set aside just to say, hey, thankful. I'm the recipient. Bev. I got a count your blessings jar one year for my birthday from my grandchildren. And they had all written a note oh. in that jar. So I, you know, I, I go back to that and, and thank the Lord for them. How wonderful it, is that? It is. It's sitting on the shelf in my kitchen yeah. all the time. <laughs> nice. It is. Very wow. you got nice grandkids. <laughs> yeah. I make mine watch me drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else? Any thoughts on... I've been trying to get in the habit of thanking God for the day before I get out of bed. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, which, you know, it's like, it's, not, it's counterintuitive. <laughs> you know, it, well, it, it is. is. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I've found, oh, yeah, this is your day, Lord. Um, thank you. And you use it however and use me however you see fit. But, you know. But before our feet hit the floor. Yeah. Say, so, hey, Lord, thanks for this day that's in front of me. You know, and we have to realize that every day is a gift from God, and our gift to Him is the manner in which we use it, right? Yeah. Other thoughts? I don't know. Someone write this down. We finished three minutes early, which means I've got to pray for like three straight minutes. So, all right. Nance. Yeah, please. I just remember, and of course, Joy would remember as well when we went to Guatemala, and you know, we were doing the um, the help, the you know, mission that time when we had both. Anyway, and to see those people being so grateful and waiting and waiting for the little bit that we did, and then when I got home, I found out that my mother broke her hip. And then you come into the real world of everything we have yeah. and how we take it for granted. And it was just that contrast between the two, the, the have-nots <laughs> and what we have, and to be grateful every day. That just is it's in my head. I'll never forget that. It's the difference between first world and third world, exactly. isn't it? And we were talking, yeah. you had mentioned that. And that's what popped into my head is that medical mission and that 
yeah, what we have, we just have everything here. And yeah. they were so grateful to be given a little bottle of aspirin, remember? Or Tylenol. For hours. And, and you know, being able to do things like missions or help your next door neighbor rake his leaves or something is a manner of saying thank you right. to the Lord, right? Because I can do this and I, I thank you, Lord, that I can do it not only for me, but for others. You know, the, there was this big thing about pass it on, right? So if someone does something nice to you, you get to pass it on. And that's a big part of gratitude is that uh, goodness and grace doesn't doesn't stop with me, but it's it moves through me. So that was good. You helped me with the, my three minutes, Nancy. Thank you. That's why we do things to help people, but I don't expect anything in return. Through their gratitude, they yep. do something for me or whatever, but I yep. don't do it to get anything out of it. Yeah, that yeah. Jim, how about this one? Um, someone someone made some cookies for us. And I brought him home, and, and I, I let Diane have one, and I ate the rest. And then I said, "Oh, I got to bring the tray back." Guess what the comment was? We got to put something on there. I said a thank you note. No, I'll bake something. I said, okay, I, I'm not doing the baking, so I'm thinking this this could go on for a long time, and. All right. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about First Emmanuel Lutheran Church, visit filministries.org. Have a good day, and God bless.